Thanks for tuning in to the G&JB Show, episode two. Today we've got myself being questioned by the one and only Jack Bowen. We've had many questions come from uh, people on Instagram, social, any social media, they're sending questions in. So today we're going to um, delve into my life and um, see how we go. From last week's success with Jack Bowen, it was, uh, it was, it was a good, strong podcast. We've had a lot of positive feedback, so we're going to keep going and see how many episodes we can make. All right, Jacko. Hey, G, how are you today, mate? Good, mate, I'm good. That's good. So today we're just going to go into a bit about your life and your sporting journey and other aspects of your life, like running a business and uh, managing family time as well in, into that. And uh, A lot of people see you as just a boxing trainer, but it's more than just that. You've had background in other sports. Do you want to get into a little bit of your sporting background? Yeah, I suppose so. I was... Um I was born in England a few years ago, before you were. Um, <laughs> um, and what happened, I was six years old and I was at, at school and these dance teachers, I don't even know what they were, they, they come to the school and run a PE class and we did PE and um, it was just about coordinated movements and things mm. like that. I was six years old and afterwards, I don't know, my parents got a phone call and said, oh, we think your son's coordinated and can do this stuff so I just went along to these classes I had no idea what I was yeah. doing and it wasn't necessarily gymnastics it was just coordinated movements it was probably a bit more dance orientated yeah. Um, yeah so I did that and then the next thing I went on to a, a Saturday morning gymnastics class and then before when I by the time I was seven years old gymnastics had taken over I was already doing three days in the gym at seven years old um, my dad started helping out and as a lot of parents do get involved like they help out at first and before long they end up coaching and yeah so my dad ended up coaching me um and I yeah I was a gymnast until the age of uh well when I moved to Australia at 12 years old I was uh, the Calderdale champion the Yorkshire champion where'd you uh, move to when you first came to Australia when I first came to Australia we well the plan was to move to to live in either Queensland or Canberra where my mum's mum lived in Queensland and my mum's sister lived in Canberra and that was the plan but um, unfortunately I so we flew to Queensland moved yep. down to Canberra I started school in Canberra and then I couldn't I was tra- training at the Australian Institute of Sport but I couldn't get accepted I was an Australian citizen right. so yep. we got a phone call from Western Australia asking if I'd like to try out for their program well anyway I ended up getting in and yeah my next four years was uh, three years was as a gymnast in the West Australian Institute of Sport until I was 15 years old and yeah and then, you balance school as well and into yeah, that yeah that, well, that was or? that was that was hard we went to a gym school we went to I actually did I went to six high schools really wow. so, so that's like uh, that's a lot uh, as a young kid that's a lot a lot of people think that's crazy and I, and I had I had this mindset when I was young has always been that kid that oh, I'm that kid that's always got not issues but I've always got it always happens to me I started feeling yeah, like that it yeah. always happens to me I had to leave my friends in England I had to leave my um, I just started a school in Canberra I had to leave the school in Canberra yeah. when I just started to meet people then I went to, to Perth and I found a school and then that was Leeming High and then in grade 9 we had to go to um, Perth Modern for the gymnastics and yep. then I went back to Leeming High and then I did three and then I went back then I came back to Morrowfield High over in Queensland like I, I was always on the go um, it it made me feel a bit strange but 
then again, I know now, I know my parents did it for me. They were chasing the best opportunities for me. And that's, yeah, yeah, that's... That's good to reflect on when you get older too. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, when you're younger, you look at some of your parents' decisions and you think everything's against you and they're not doing it for your best interest. But like when you get older, you think about it a lot better. hundred percent. And it's like a lot of, a lot of coaches that coach their kids in any sport yeah, yeah. The, the parents think they're doing the best thing which they are yeah. and then the parent and then the kids and that relationship sometimes it hits 15, 16 it doesn't really work and, yeah. it, and you know what I mean and the kids end up quitting or moving on to another coach and to be honest I get the parents pushing the kids doing the best for the kids and I understand it because well obviously they know better than the kid at the time but the kid's mindset is, um, the kid's mindset is, oh, I'm getting, but not bullied, but I'm getting pushed too much. You don't know what it's yeah. like and to be me. And you've gone through all your like, hormonal changes at that That's stage right. too. Like, I remember going, I think you've told me in the past, getting from about 16 to about 21 is the hardest stage. And once you pass that, like... It's your decision. Yeah. yeah. And yeah, you're like, you've got your own car. Yeah. You can get there yourself. Yep. You can do everything. You can make your own decisions if you want to go out drinking or not yep. go out drinking. And yeah, that's. So, I, how did you find that transition well, from I remember, being a teenager to an adult and staying in the sport? Yeah, well, I remember my dad saying, when, so I, 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 it was gymnastics up to 15, then I started playing rugby league in Perth, yep. and I played a couple of years, and then I came to Queensland and I played for Souths and then I went and played for England. So, I was, even as a footballer, I was all over the yep. shop too. So, is that Souths education? Really? Souths, yeah. Well, okay. When I played there, I played under 19s and it was Souths. No, it's, no, not Souths at Acacia Ridge. Souths at West End at Mortimer Park. So I played under oh, 19s. Okay. So, yep. so now it's Souths Logan. But when I played oh, there, it was right. just Souths and just Logan. They were two teams. Yep. So I actually played for both anyway. So I played under 19s at Souths. Then I went to England and played for Keithley Cougars uh, for a year and a half over there. Come back, I played at Logan City Scorpions before Souths and Logan merged yep. uh, for a couple of years. And then I went and played for a couple of years at Ipswich Jets. And that's how boxing came into it. I was getting injured one year in off-season. I got an eye injury. Then I hurt my back at training. And um, How and old were you about this stage? I was 25 at 25, this stage. Yeah. And I'd had... Um, I just had that many injuries. And Billy Gardner, who was a former Broncos assistant coach... Um, I think he was there in 88 when they originally started. I rang him up, but I'd, I'd only played like, I don't know, a couple of games in like six weeks or something. And I yeah. said, Bill, I'm just going to write this season off. I'll come back next year. I went down to Woodridge PCYC. Yeah, okay. Because um, that's where I was living at the time. And uh, yeah, I just started boxing. I never went back to footy and it just took over then. Yeah. So, um, and I was just going to say before, one thing I remember my dad saying one time and I think I overheard a conversation of his rather than he am actually saying this to me um, he said I've realised that if your kids want to do it they'll just do it yeah yeah. you can't yeah, push push 100%. push because at the end of the day they push back the kids push back you know what I mean yeah. so um, it's you know it's a very you know it's a very it's, it's a tough one because the parents are doing the best for the kids, but the kids aren't getting it and they end yeah. up fighting. There's a couple of, um, you know, sometimes it works, but yeah. a lot of times it doesn't work. Yeah, and I think um, there's that line that needs to be drawn as well. Yeah, that's like right. Like when you get a bit older, you can you can say, look, that's that's a bit yeah. too far. And like, and you've got to be willing to, you've got to have a love for the sport yeah. as well. You can't just be pushed into it because 
in the end, you get caught out with someone that really loves the sport yeah. and wants to work hard. And, and I think there's a question here about like natural talent and how far it can yeah. get you, but there's only f- so far I think that natural talent can oh. get you. Do you agree with that? Yeah. Or Na- natural. you've got to have the love and natural talent. Talent's great while you're a kid, and it and it and it and it's good because you tend to win things and you win mm. a lot more and it's fun. But because you've had that natural talent, a lot of times it's very hard to get natural talent and work ethic, especially yeah. as a junior. Well, what happens? Natural talent doesn't tend to work hard when, when, when they're kids because they, it just comes easy just to them. Winning, yeah. Well, guess yeah. what? They're not actually used to working hard to achieve. Mm. So there comes that age and, and the kids that are working harder and doing the regimental things like whatever sport you're playing, it doesn't, it's the same scenario, every single yeah. sport or every or life pretty much. The ones that work harder will get there in the end rather than just having that overnight success like the kids do that are just talented and don't work hard. So yeah. it's, mate, business, sport, man, it's all the same. Yeah. It's all the same. You work harder than everyone else and you, you've got a chance. Yeah, you and know. coming back to what your, what your um, dad had said and the advice he's given you, I understand he's been a massive influence in your own sporting career and if you want to maybe delve into what your dad like his career in hmm. sport and how that influenced you and maybe like the values and he gave you yeah your- for sure so my my dad paul williams is uh he's now currently a boxing judge um in queensland and he d- he started that with uh, you know as a hobby and now he just loves it and you know he's doing really well with it yep. but his first choice was rugby league um he was a great rugby league player. I love going back to England. Like I've been back a few times and spoke to old people that know him or remember him playing or people around his age. And I actually asked them because I asked them how good he was and they say, oh, I've heard quite a few times your dad was good, you know. Yeah. Um, you get a little bit from that too. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's good. A, like good it, it just, Yeah, it's yeah. good. So it's not just what he's told me. It's, yeah. <laughs> it's, actually, it's actually true. But then I, I delve into his scrapbook, and this is weird. Like, like I'm 43 years old. I've just, I've actually got his scrapbook in the back of my car because I took it home from their place the other day. I just love reading about, um, you know, William scored another four tries, and he got he got selected for England at um, a certain age, and you know he, he made his county he team. Played it quite a high level. He, he played at a high level. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like he he got. You know, it's on professional terms, but unfortunately, his career was over when he was 23. He had a he had bad knees, and nowadays those knees would be fixed. Yeah, yeah. But back then, that they, they were butchered. You know what I mean? They were made worse by the operations, and the recovery. Well, medicine's not as strong as it was yeah. is nowadays, and just like everything else, he's better. Training techniques are better now. Um, Strength, recovery, everything's everything. better yeah. now. It's just it's just the way it is. But we have our own issues. We have more issues. It's like we, as the world gets better, medicine gets better, training techniques get better. It seems more issues come along anyway. So we're all living the same life. It's just once again the way to have success. And my dad. My dad's always been a hard worker. Yeah. He built our houses. He, he's been an athlete. He's been a coach. He knows that you need hard work. He, he, like, I remember him telling me when I started playing dummy half and I was going to England. He goes, well, you're passing to 
the right side is not as good as your left. So I just, he just, I just had to get up and just pass to this tree every single day, one yeah. one side, one side, the other side. Well, yeah. by the time I got to England, I could pass equally good. Now people ask me, <laughs> which is your good side, which is your bad? I say I don't have a bad. I've got a good and a better. But you get that confidence <laughs> from the work you've done. Yeah, that's it. I think I remember a story you were telling me about um, Paul making you doing. Do your chin oh, up. Do you want that? to go into that a little bit? I hope my dad's listening, asshole. <laughs> <laughs> so when I was eight years old, I was told by our gymnastics coach, Miss Liz Robertson in England, that my elbows were hyperextended, so they'd bend back the other yeah, way. Yeah. Um, and so my dad, being my dad, he said, "Right, let's fix this." So. So to build, so to pull my arm back, obviously I had to build my bicep out rather than my tricep. So yep. to do that, um, he thought it was a great idea to put a chin-up bar. He rigged it up because he's a he's a joiner carpenter. Yeah. So he rigged it up above my bedroom door. Every time I, I walked into my bedroom, I had to do chin-ups. Every time I walked out of my bedroom to do chin-ups, <laughs> I fucking remember this one day. I, I'd had it so ingrained into my head. I've done my chin-ups in and out of my bedroom while I'm getting changed for schools. I'd run out and I forgot to brush my teeth and I'm fucking spewing. So I've ready to brush my teeth and then I forgot something in my bedroom. Shit, so I had to go in. And even though I was late for school, I still made sure yeah, I did my chin-ups yeah. when I went in and then when I come out. But it straightened my arms. And, and, and again, they're those little lessons that you remember. And things that you remember years later that, yeah, that was turning point because it, it taught me that Everything can be fixed. Everything can be changed. And you can get better at everything, but you've just got to do it. You've just yeah. got to do it and not talk, talk rubbish. And you put know? it into practice. Yeah, that's yeah. it. Um, so, like, you spoke about your injuries you faced as, a, as an athlete. So, yep. what's, what's probably the biggest obstacle you've had to overcome as an athlete? And how's that put you into good stead, like, running a business and mm. the obstacles you face running a business and whatnot? Uh, as an athlete, I... I as an athlete, the reason I'm, I'm, I'm doing well at the moment, the reason I think business is going okay, everything's going quite well at the moment, is because I didn't actually quite make the heights that I wanted to as an athlete. Yeah, yeah. My heights were set so big. My dream was to play at Wembley Stadium. That yeah. is what I always wanted to do, and I didn't care about anything else except rugby league when I was doing rugby league and every sport which whatever sport I was doing at the time that was my big goal and I think the lessons that I pull back from my childhood years of work hard to to do things um, not actually achieving the goals that I'd set myself well for years so what I was doing I actually gained a trial at Bradford Bulls when I was in England who were a super league club at the time and what what happened was I broke my ankle in training yeah and I was supposed to play two trial games and then the contract was negotiated and everything like that. So I had two trial games. They had to see how I went. You so know? is that like semi-professional or professional that, football that, over well, there? That is full, full like Bradford Bulls at the time. So we're like, like, we're like Brisbane here. Broncos okay, over cool. here. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I know nothing about the yeah. league as you know. That's all right. That's all good. good so eyes. pretty much they were one of the strong clubs over there and they had a great team. I never thought I'd be playing straight in the first grade side, but yeah. I had two trials to get through and, and I thought, well, I might... So I'd already played the season in the second division at Keithley. Anyway, I broke my ankle, and for years I just blamed the 
I did what every young kid would probably do now, blame the broken ankle. Yeah. I blame yeah. the broken ankle and this is not going my way, this is not going my way. And even when I was boxing for years, I'd say I broke my ankle and then I, you know, I was blaming other things. But it, honestly, it wasn't until I probably hit about 40 years old, like a couple of years ago, that I'd, I started calling bullshit on myself. I'm like, mate, that is ridiculous. Yes, the story that I said was right. They, I broke my ankle. I wasn't wanted. They signed somebody, other people, and, and you know, but they were bigger than me anyway. I was getting that opportunity. I, I could have done anything to get that contract signed or offered my services or just I should have just hung around the club or. Uh, you know, to get noticed get and to, to be yeah. to be there and say, what else can I do? What else can I do? What else can I do? And maybe listened a bit more. I, I thought oh, I was always a great trainer. I was always a great trainer. I was always the... the f- do you think you got that discipline and work ethic from maybe gymnastics? Oh, such yeah, a hard 100%, sport. 100%. The routine... To this day, gym, gymnastics yeah. still being the hardest sport that I've ever done. Yeah, and me just watching some yeah. of the stuff you do still <laughs> yeah. at, at, at your my age... age. Young, young age unbelievable yeah 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 mid 30s like something like that <laughs> yeah. but um yeah it's i think the reason and then i went into gymnastics it's just and i, I you know what i've never even told i've never told this to anybody yeah my parents know about it but nobody in the world knows this when i got my mum and dad my, the, my dad's scrapbook the other day from my mum's dad i looked at my grade 12 report you yeah. know what i failed every single subject every single subject and I, I was, I'm embarrassed by it, but now I know I've done something. Because school didn't work for me. And it's not going to work for everyone. It doesn't work for, for everybody. Yeah. Yeah. My schooling journey was yeah. probably a lot different. Like, yeah. I got by and I was, yeah. wasn't a bad student, but... Um, I was the kid that will never like, do I've anything. I've got mates that, yeah. that failed everything, but they're finished apprenticeships. Yeah. They're making way more money than mm. I am right now. But yeah. it's just, I think, well, I've got a mate who really wanted to, like he just wanted to finish his apprenticeship Mm. as a mechanic and he's just applied himself so much into that trade and like the amount of work he did just for that. Yeah. But at school, he just, no. Didn't work for him. I'll get by, you know. But he was so interested in what he was doing as an apprenticeship that like it just came easy to do that work. Yeah. No, it's it's true. Like school didn't work for me and I got a bit of it when, when, to be honest, six six high schools probably didn't help. Because yeah. I was going yeah. good early on in my high school. I was going good in grade eight. And then when it went to grade nine, I started going to the gymnastics school. Things just went downhill. And I just didn't get back on the bike again. I just bothered, Yeah, and I couldn't be yeah. bothered. Cause, and then start, teachers were saying I'm lazy and then ignoring me and doing all this. But yeah, And you know what, one thing? I had, I, I really liked graffiti when I was young, like, yeah, um, yeah. you know, drawing and, and uh, not not stupid graffiti. I liked the art of graffiti, right? So um, I remember I had this one English assignment. I can't remember what it was about, but I wrote it on what, it was about points of view. And it was about my point of view, what I think in street art, graffiti art. Yeah. I chose that to do. I write about that. And my teacher failed me and I was, pissed because you know what she she failed me because I was I'm sure it wasn't an, a failed piece of work yeah for a start it was a, probably the only one I handed in that year anyway <laughs> but I actually made a massive effort to try and get my point across why 
there's a place for this sort of stuff. I'm not saying it needs to be done legally, but I thought it was a place for people to express their their, their feelings through their art yeah, and their, yeah. their, their own talents. And you know what, I failed. And from then on, I just went, fuck this. Yeah, I put so much in it, effort yeah, into that. I man. really yeah. tried here to get my point across about what I believe in. And you don't want to know. You fail me because it's I'm talking about spray cans on walls and stuff like that. That I'm yeah. sure that's why I was failed rather than what my assignment was about. And after that, I just went, yeah, fuck it. I don't, don't need to do this anymore. So, look, it's not the, great, it's not the greatest attitude to have. But I felt... Teachers have such a big influence on kids' lives yeah. too. Like, and the, that, I think that creative arts and, and um, aspects like that now mm. like, are pushed more. Like Kids are pushed to be more creative. That's right, like I think they your are daughter now. Amira. Yeah. Um, like, there's some of the dance and art she yeah. comes up with. She and her and like, Rocco will sit there yeah. drawing all yeah. afternoon yeah. and they'll come up to you and, and you encourage that instead yeah. of belittling, yeah, belittling right. them yeah. and, and making them feel like, like their work's not good enough. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, because if you get failed, but sometimes you might get failed, but if they come up and go, look, look, you put a lot of time and effort into that, it was really good, just not up to scratch academically, yeah. then you could be like, okay, yeah. I'll keep trying. But if they just well, completely just got, shit on you and like, yeah, That's exactly yeah. what it was. And I just got the so payment back with an F. Yeah. Fuck. Like, because back then it was A, B, C, D, F. That's how the an F yeah. just meant fail, and like I said, I got my high, high schools to, and every single. I think I think I got D in in, um, in PE. You gotta win some. Yeah, a little win somewhere. Mate. And then, and then you know what? I I saw it's been in the back of my mind until I saw it again the other day at my mum's place, and I went, you know what? I'd love to see those teachers now. All those teachers said I was gonna be shit. I was gonna be nothing, and now I, I look. I don't think I'm still way off because I'll always be chasing even death's door I'll be chasing something you know what I mean that's yeah. not there but I, I don't want to sit back and pat myself on the back it's I, nice to, it's I, nice I just to want to keep chasing yeah that's and, right and I just want to keep like chasing like how far you've come as well yeah um, so how do you apply so talking about teachers and the influence mm. you have um, I know you do a Boxing Beyond Barriers program, which is yeah. like a, if you want to go into that, that's like a youth program and you help troubled youth. Do you find you take maybe the negatives you had at school and apply it as maybe a positive or, or different approaches you have when you're teaching these young kids that are probably in the same boat, that over school, over yeah. getting bad results and teachers telling them they're not going to go anywhere? Yeah, that's right. Well, that's that's one of the things that I do with Boxing Beyond Barriers. We, like, we're working with... 14 schools at the moment we want to grow that into to be honest I want to take up I want I want to have 50 schools in a few years time I just want I yeah. want to I want to get our message through to the you know what it's it, it's classed as disengaged kids kids that yeah. for one way or the other it might they've had might have had a rough trot in their life they might have had a death in the family they might have had anything and they're putting this in this basketball. I really take my hats off to the schools that are joining in our program because I speak to these kids like, you know what, like a normal person. Mm. I, I, I don't speak to, I, I, I tell them about my, how I started um, my business and how, how I went along and I was living in my mate's garage, in Chrissy McCullen's garage on a mattress in, in, in you know humble beginnings yeah it was 100% and then uh, look I had a couple of people that I started training I was earning $20 a week and that was my wage when I started and I was 30 years old then mm. so I tell these kids you know 
I let these kids dream as big as they can. And some of the kids I've noticed that they've never been patted on the back and told that they're doing good. Yeah, well, that just goes back to what we said before. Yeah. So I, I'm telling these kids... They're for that encouragement. That they are. And I'm just telling these kids that they can do anything they want. They, I'm, I'm, I'm all about positive. But on the other hand, I'll give it to these kids too. <laughs> too. Like, but if their toes that, aren't on the line, yeah. when it's line-up time... It's 10 burpees. If they frown, if they look at me sideways, it's 20, and then it's 40, and then it's 80. Well, they'll stop arguing or they'll be doubling up their burpees. Do you think you can take a different approach as you're not their actual teacher at school and you're someone from the outside? And, and like, I think being a boxing coach, you get an automatic respect as well, where a teacher might not get that. And you can maybe relate a little bit more to them. Yeah, agree. I, I do that. But in saying that, there's one teacher that really sticks out to me. Uh, this is when I was at, 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 this was in grade nine. Totally didn't care about school by grade nine. Done. Been to that many high schools, I, I didn't even yeah. care. Yeah. There's one teacher I remember, Mr. Chapman. Yeah. He was our history teacher. I fucking hated history. But I remember everything we did in that class. And yeah. I remember doing everything right. And I sat down, I was always early. You know why? Because he was strict. He was strict and he was he made, he, he was disciplined. And he's the only real teacher right now I remember of his name. It's in my primary school days. You know, yeah. you remember that a bit better. But, um, yeah, I, I remember him because he was strict. And I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't go missing his classes. Because you're And I just think nowadays, yeah. I think, I think, you know what? If I was a school teacher, I might get in trouble. I might get sacked. But I still... <laughs> I, I, I think still, you would. <laughs> I still think... I would run those classes exactly how I'm doing the Boxing Beyond Barriers program. I'd have strictness, but I'd also make it enjoyable and pat these kids on the back when they're putting an effort in. I don't even care if they if they throw in punches. I don't care if they can throw, can't even throw a punch. If they're trying, they're doing well. Yeah, and a lot and- of them aren't going to be maybe maybe boxers. Like they're not in it to be a boxer. No, that's probably that's a better right. way to put it. Yeah. So I think what what some of the values and and uh, just things they can take from doing boxing training. I, I suppose one thing that I do with the program, I, I've got, I, I don't even have to keep reminding myself anymore because I know the Boxing Beyond Barriers program is boxing, but it's not about boxing. Yeah, it's much more important than that. It's about teaching kids values and that they are worthwhile. They can have it. Just just because you're failing maths doesn't mean you can't be a successful businessman. It fucking yeah. does not, because. I've got a business now and I've got this gym and I'm looking around and if I actually patted myself on the back, I'd probably think, oh, you've done okay. But from where I started with nothing, totally nothing. Yeah. Well, how did you start? And so I failed ever. Well, I, I was, I was living, at, I was living, I walked out of my former life and I lived in my mate's garage and that's it. And I started training his brother and his girlfriend and I charged them 10 bucks each. And then they asked and then they asked me to train Thursdays as well as Tuesdays. And I was earning $40 for the week. So that for was my age week. at 30 years old. 30, wow. And Gabby was three years old. Shit. So that's my daughter. So I was struggling. But you know what? Then the next week, oh, can I bring a friend? Can I bring somebody else? Yeah. Can I bring... You know what? Yeah. Within... Within eight weeks, I had 30 people spilling out of this shed and on the back of the neighbours are saying, oh, can you guys shut up? You know what I mean? Like, well, then I had 30 people coming to that one-hour session. Well, they all paid me 10 bucks, and that was $300 an hour, so that sounds good. Yeah. But if you don't start at $10 an hour, you ain't going to get to fucking 300 Yeah. 
and yeah you know what I mean like you you do not and and that's what I try to say to the these kids I always let these kids know my past that I had a like I had a positive childhood and everything like some of these kids that I trained don't but I'm still letting them know everybody's got their own story everyone's got struggles and everyone everyone everyone. yeah no one has got a story. No one has got a story that's, oh fuck! I was born with fifteen million dollars in the bank, and I've just been able to do whatever that's I want. I'm the sailor. smartest. Yeah. I've, got, I've got. I'm an A grade student. I never had to do homework. I just, I just, and my dad bought me a BMW when I was fifteen yeah. years old. It's you unheard know? of, isn't it? It's like bullshit. even those people go through their struggles as well. Everybody yeah. does, you know. So you've just got to, and that's the main message in the school program: it's self belief, it's discipline, and again, the above the number one message that I try and teach kids or people in general, whether it's kids or, kids or not, is if you want success, you work harder than everyone else. Done. That's it. Yeah. It ain't rocket science. Yeah, and you're going to have your your moments that you're going to have to overcome things. Of course and, you are. But I, I think that makes the journey that much sweeter when yeah. you can actually get a little victory out of that. Yeah. So starting from the gym, and so would you say that was more personal training and group sessions or were when you I started my people? gym yeah so I started uh, like I said and then I had about 30 people coming to see me on Tuesdays and Thursdays and then I had a couple of people actually that was general fitness but I was still working helping my mate with his gym a little I was not working but volunteering my time to help around the gym mm. the kids so and then from it just sort of evolved because I knew I always wanted a life in sport yeah I knew I wanted, always wanted a life in sport. I didn't know how it was going to come. Mm. And then I had a couple of people, uh, Dave Thompson and Fenella actually, they were one of my first early clients. So Dave wanted to be a boxer. He wanted to start boxing. Oh, and then So I registered club name while I was in the backyard shed. And then I trained Dave and a couple, Shane Yakibuchi. They, those two wanted to do some boxing. So I got them sparring each other and I taught them. And they both had a couple of a few fights each. And then Fenella, I remember. And you had had your amateur. Yeah, I'd had my, well. I'd had my yeah. amateur background we'll and everything like it was. Later, yeah. yeah, I'd had my 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 fights. Look, I wasn't a great fighter, but I'm now. I'm glad how my my boxing career went because it's made me a coach, a better coach. Because now I understand it. I didn't really understand it then. I thought it was just work hard, work hard, work hard, which it is. But now I'm smarter. And I remember Tim Sheens a few years ago saying, "I wish." Athletes could be coaches before they're athletes, then they get it. But you don't. That's why you've got to try and teach your young people education while they're an athlete so they can, like I say to you, you learn from other people's mistakes. Yeah. That's how you got to learn, you know? Um, yeah, and I'm sure I'll get to the end of my career and maybe, oh, probably, you know, if you ever start coaching someone. Yeah. But why wasn't I doing this when I was fighting? That's right, and that's the, right, that's boxing is right. one of those sports. It's like anything. Like yeah. You're always going to be learning. And if, yeah, if you're not learning, then you Give should get out of it. Give it yeah. up because it fucking like We hurts. spoke about it last week. <laughs> it yeah, yeah. yeah, or if, you, if, you're not learning, if you're not learning as a coach, your athletes start getting hurt because you don't want to develop and evolve. That's right, exactly. Time. And how many times have we seen that where coaches just like maybe getting a bit old and, and getting a bit silly and, and, over and chucking their boys. Yeah, and over it's, yeah. it's long days yeah. and for... That's shit right. pay really yeah. like oh, isn't it yeah. like how many Saturdays have you done yeah well that's right so starting out as as a young boxing coach what were some of the I'm um, still a young boxing coach would you say that <laughs> well you are in the grand scheme of things like you look at people like Freddie Roach and Customato and like older yeah, older, older trainers you are pretty young yeah I'm young so starting out as a young trainer and coaching 
boxes. Um, how did you try and catch up and gain the knowledge so that I, the older, more experienced So this had? is what I started. I went back to gymnastics. I didn't go you? back to gymnastics as a sport, but my mindset went back to my gymnastics days yeah, yeah. because that is where basics are learned and if you don't have good grounding, good basics, well, you can't have a good athlete. Because you've got to have the fundamentals. That's yeah. it. You've got to be able to, your body, you've got to be able to hold your body posture. You've got to be flexible. You've got to be strong enough and strong doesn't mean bench press, squat. It means your body strength because at the end of the day, you're working with your body. Well, gym, boxing is... You're, you're using your body. Yes, we do do strength exercises now, but when I started coaching, when I started coaching boxing, I started, I, how important is the boxing stance? How important, important is it that we step and punch at the same time, the coordination? Move. So I, I, I added a lot of gymnastics warm-ups and moves well, to we, the gymnastics. We still do. We still do. Yeah. we still do. So that is what, and I thought that's what I missed as a boxer. As somebody starting the boxing, you're just going and, in, and and then I got an opportunity to go to the Australian Institute of Sport under Bodo Andreas. Yeah. Then my eyes were opened. Yeah, because I understand you used to go around with a, a notebook oh, and mate, just copy down everything people were saying. You've got no idea. That first time I went to the Australian mm. Institute of Sport, the biggest lesson I got out of it was oh there's actually names for what I'm doing now and I'm on the right page yeah. I didn't know what parallel movements diagonal movements stepping this and that I just thought I'd made it all up but now you thought you're under something well, I, yeah. thought, well I, I just thought no I, this is just basics I yeah. thought boxing is not going in like everybody else does and do 30 rounds on the boxing bag and thinking you're a boxer and then sparring, and you're not even fucking ready. You don't even know how to catch parry block. But I think that's such a an old school method. Is oh, you come in. I think it was you're saying. Kerry said Joe Kalzaki used to just come in and like worked for him, yeah, obviously, because yeah, yeah. he's yeah, unreal. Yeah. Come in, do three rounds of skipping, four rounds of pads, and yeah, six rounds of sparring. I remember Kerry Hope saying every day the training was the same. Nothing changed. Every day with every training, and it's was always boxing yeah. or, or a long run. Yeah, yeah. So. You know, and I remember Kerry when he come here. He said, "Oh, geez, I like this. It's a fresh, a breath of fresh air because it's different all the time. I'm actually enjoying my boxing, and I'm doing things, extra yeah. things. You know." And I've been like to other gyms to spar in the past, and they go, "All right, we spar on Tuesdays. We do a run mm. on Wednesdays. Thursdays is sparring again. Yeah. Fridays is pads." Yeah. Where I come in here every night, and it's something different. Yeah, you don't and know exactly matter, what's doing yeah. every day. Yeah. Oh, it's like it's fresh too. Yeah not knowing exactly what you're going to do, but you know, like along the lines, I pretty much yeah, know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think being a coach, you have to have that. You have to, have, well, you don't have to, obviously, because there's a lot of successful people that oh, don't have and it. Works, yeah, it doesn't work for everyone. But Maybe when you've got the diehard boxers that want to do it, but a lot of times people that come here aren't diehard boxing people, but because they're coordinated and they're pretty good and they gradually fall in love with it, you know what I mean? Well, yeah. you were a footballer when you came here. Yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? If we didn't have the... That, that pretty variation, handy. different things that That's we pretty do. Handy, actually. <laughs> <laughs> I should have just given it up. I'll put a question out to your mates for that one. Yeah, good, probably. You really will. Yeah, I don't think we'll get the same response. Um, but, you know, like, you know, I, the variation is a big thing to me. Um, at mixing things up. Because to be a great athlete, you have to be a great athlete. You don't just be a good boxer. You're saying Bolt don't just run forwards. We saw him have a trials at the A-League in soccer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he did not look out of place. Look, he was a few runs short. Of course he was. But he was an athlete. Yeah, I think you could say the same about Lomachenko. I've watched some of his training, yeah. like camp videos, yeah. and just the stuff he's doing, like he's doing gymnastics, dance, coordination, coordinated movements, and yeah. stuff. Like, 
he's an incredible athlete and then he like go and play tennis on the weekends yeah. but like he has that base of every sport covered that's the thing yeah. you, you, you chuck him a ball he'll catch it from anywhere you know yeah. what I mean that he'll be good at going back to the me writing notes so I went back to when I went to the AOS I was under Bodo Andreas and they'd had it was excellent it was a NTID camp and I was there as a visiting coach I eventually got um, start, I, I did a bit of work for the AIS so like uh, a development program. Yeah, 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 as a coach. So I went down there and it, my eyes were just open. I learned the boxing and then I'd gone into strength and conditioning. And all the other coaches, well, not all of them, but some of them, other coaches were just taking the time out. And I'm thinking, fuck this, I'm here to learn. I, I was, <laughs> while it was lunchtime, I'd quickly eat my lunch and I'd take off to the speak to Ross Smith in the strength and conditioning. How can we improve this? How can we improve this? Then I'd go and speak to the sports scientist. Then I'd go and speak to the recovery. Then I'd go and speak to the nutritionist. Mate, I just could not get enough of being down there and learning where a lot of people just go down there and uh, and just do the minimum. But yeah. to be good at something, you've got to do more than everyone yeah, and else, I, and that's it. It's funny you touched on the nutrition, the strength, everything. I th- do you feel as a coach... Um, coaches some coaches are just limited to just boxing they're not because if you look at what you do for for me say mm. you help me with my nutrition mm. if i like obviously got people to help me yeah, now yeah, like yeah. but in the past yeah, do that. Yeah, yeah. but in the past like as we started off you knew the basics about nutrition yeah. strength yeah um well it's like you're a doctor you're a psychologist yeah. you're everything to yeah. young kids do you think some people just get stuck in their ways of it's just about being a coach yeah, and being a boxer. And you know what? I can understand how they do. I can yeah, really oh, yeah, understand yeah. how they do because... And, and you know what? I can't say it's not right or it's not wrong because if I hadn't taken the... the, the if I hadn't have created the opportunity to work for myself and do this and build this boxing facility, I wouldn't be able to spend the time that I do on boxing. Yeah, you know just what been I mean? shed doing it I would, Well, yeah, exactly. Or I would be working on construction for 12 hours a day and going to the gym for a couple of hours a night and I'd be fucked and I wouldn't want to do it. I'd be tired. So what I'd do, I'd just go, all right, let's get some bag work done. And no, by the time, maybe say match-ups come on a Saturday, oh, yeah, chuck him in. Chuck him in. And then someone gets hurt. Yeah. Exactly. So, you can't like I said, I can yeah. totally understand how it happens. Um, but, yeah, I, I look... Everybody's the same. They can do whatever they want to do, but I just try and keep it fresh a little bit all yeah. the time. So you so, yeah. really enjoyed your early experience with um, amateur boxing coaching. Oh. So what's some of the highlights for you? I know you went over to Junior Worlds with yep. Mark Wilson. and yep. and Peter Stokes. Rest yep. in peace, Peter. Yep. Um, yep. And, um, yeah, when Clay Waterman and, and Jai Pattaya won the World Championships, that was amazing. We had a really good team. If you look and where at was that again? That was Kazakhstan. Kazakhstan. Yep. So we had, uh, who else was on the team? Jason Malia. Oh, yeah. Reagan. Reagan Desai. He was there. Uh, Liam Wilson there? Liam Wilson was on the side. It was a strong team. Yeah, that's it. They're all still boxing, those boys They're too, all still so. boxing. That's a, yeah, just thinking about the ones still going at the moment. Who else? Then, and obviously Jai and, and, you know, they're all doing good things, you know. Yeah. But yeah, that was a that was a great. But you know what? My probably my number one moment as a professional coach. Professional, yeah. As a professional coach to start with, was when everybody told me that Damien Hooper could not beat. What's his name? I can't even remember Umar his name. Sol- Umar Solomov. Solomov, Solomov yeah. yeah. On the Horn Pacquiao undercard, when everybody Tommy Hoop, yeah, he'll be good for five rounds. He'll get stopped. <laughs> And I was going, yeah, no worries. 
Well, were, you knew because you, you were getting punched by Damien. Honey Hooney was coming to sparring Honey, Honey as well. Cup, another good young boxer. Um, and there was, you know what, there was probably half a dozen of us, to be honest, that really legitimately thought Damien would win, not hoping he would win. Well, I put money on it. That's so right. Just, well done. Just putting that down Good there. win. Um, it's the only win I've ever had on the books. And you know what, Damien was perfect. Yeah, he I was... remember that whole camp. I think I had a conversation with one of the, the trainers in Australia and... He goes, oh, what, you reckon Damien's going to win? And I said, mate, you should know above anyone else mm. that Damien's going to win this fight mm. against someone. Everyone counting him out. He's training hard. He's, his outside life was focused. And that was And, and I think the focus, like, when he was sparring the 10 rounds, like, usually I could, like, engage him in because yeah. he's got that dog yeah, in him. Yeah, yeah, when yeah. And I could maybe G him up mm. in about the fifth or sixth to start letting them go yeah. but he'd just stay focused and composed and I was like oh, he won't get touched this fight yeah. oh, I didn't get to watch it live but I, um, he I've was, seen the fight back. he was the like it's, it's a shame that wasn't um, telecast I think yeah. all the Aussie boys had a good yeah oh, mate it was like, a perfect who, day for Australia Dave Tasson and yeah. Jeff Horn who else was on that yeah Dave Tasson um, obviously Jeff Hoops uh Oh yeah, I remember Conlon fought too. Who did he fight? Conlon uh, fought Jared Owen That's from in. Fortitude. Yep. Um, so everybody got their opportunity that day, and you know, whether sink or swim, the Aussies had a good day. It was a gr- it was a great it was a great performance. Yeah. A few Aussies won some money on that night too. Yeah, for sure. You put oh, a few yeah. multis on. Yeah, it would yeah. Have been, would have been a good night, mate. It was an amazing day, and I remember. So w- what happened? So with that fight there, Damien done everything right. Um, he was perfect. He was, his head, his headspace yeah, was clean. Yeah. He was, he was, he was excellent. And I remember just getting into the ring at the time we did. I don't know what it was at ten a.m. or something, whatever. Oh, it was that early? Got into the ring, so I've got in the corner, and I've got in. I've opened the gate, opened the ropes. Damien's got in, gone for a bit of a walk, and I've got in, and I've looked up, and the sun has fucking blinded me from one yeah. side, and I've called hoops over, and I said, I want you to bring him around this side of the ring. I yeah, want, okay. I want, yeah. I want you to make sure he is facing the sun more often than not because he was absolutely fucking blinding. Yeah. The sun was blinding. So I think so they said Pacquiao had trouble with the heat. That's like, When it come back to America, they'll yeah. come Of course he's going to have excuses. Things, so. He lost. <laughs> yeah, that's true. But, so, you know, yeah. and then and that, yeah. it just, everything just went into place. It, it was excellent. You know, so that's your best night as a professional. That was my night yep. as a pres- professional. Amateur nights, I, I have them all the time. It's sort of like those little wins. It's, I don't think it would be always the big fights that you... Yeah. Yeah. No, it's... You know what? I've had some... I've had some moments like, you know, when obviously... I don't know, like when Damien was, you Got know, ranked little. number two in the world yeah. in the Olympics, and that was exciting. But you know what? With the ex- amateur boxing, sometimes seeing that kid that you've... has walked in... With so underconfident, mm. and he's got in the ring and lost or won. Yeah, who cares? Yeah. And he's and he's just come out smiling but crying and smiling and all that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's yeah. the fucking best moment. Yeah, that's it. So, you know, there's lots of things obviously that you know we want to do with you, but as far as when I did what I did realize from that world championships the that juniors, I went with the yeah. boys. Yeah. I learned a lot. It was great to be with Mark and Peter and the, the whole squad. It was great. But I realised my my club and my own thing is more important to me than Australian boxing. 
Okay, yeah. So you've kind of made that, okay, I'm going to put my sole focus into my own athletes because that's what gives me more joy. Yeah, yeah, because, yeah, that's right. Because I had that, you know, that closeness with them, whether it's closeness or it's it's our own thing, it's us. Is that That's when you bring it back to that, the, the family atmosphere of our gym. Mm. That is what I love. Oh, to me, yeah. the box, representing Australia, it's got to be that personal thing. You want to do that. Yeah. I want you to do that because you want to do that. Mm. It ain't because I want you to do that. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. I, and that's the same with everybody else. I learned after that that, to be honest, when that national anthem was playing and the boys were up there with gold medal, I was so proud of them. Mm. But I did not feel that... I did not feel that sort of connection I do when I've had like, a good oh, kid fighting his boy. first... Yeah. Having his first fight. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. But it was great and amazing but I I prefer that when you've worked with those kids solely because let's be honest I was the Australian coach there the three of us were the Australian coaches mm. but it wasn't us that made, well Mark Wilson and Clay Waterman but it yeah. wasn't us three that got the other guys there yeah. it was their own coaches we just guided so like them when I, they were I've done, I've done a week with you I've yeah, done that's some right. pads I, and, yeah. you know, and if I'm realistic I could take a pat on the back if I wanted but you don't I feel wasn't like the coach you did the work. Yeah. No, yeah, I just guided true. them when there was there. Yeah. 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 Where, like, say for Mark, for instance, had Clay. Mark had Clay. Sorry, he he had that. Yeah. He had that connection feeling yeah. as well with his own boy. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so what? That was our first junior gold medals at yeah. a. First gold medals in any sort of boxing. Yeah, and then obviously like Damien had the youth Olympic as well. Yeah. So we've had success in the past in the juniors and the youth system. What do you think, and this was one of the questions I got sent through. So what do you think um, Australian like needs to do to get another Olympic medal? Not even gold, but like an Olympic medal. What do you think needs to change? What do you, what do you think we're doing well at the moment? Okay, so this Is your might, thoughts on any of it? people listen to this. It might be a bit controversial, but you know what? I'm 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 over that. I have to speak my mind because that's what's true. Yeah. Um, I personally believe the selection process is wrong in Australia. Yeah. Okay. I believe we have a selection panel, but they don't. Re- they're not really selectors. Judges are the selectors. Well, we've seen that in the. Yeah. Well, well that's pretty much. The case, isn't it? It's judges if you are do the not selectors. Win that fight, That's right. They're the people who put you through. This is I'm, again. I'm throwing a spanner in the works here. This is totally. I believe the national coaches or whoever, whoever our bodies. I'm not saying any names because I believe everybody does a great job at that top level. Yeah. yeah. But I, I believe, I believe our process could change slightly. Yeah. So what I'm saying is, what's coming up? World Championships. Who's in the weight division? We've got Cuba, we've got America. Which 69-kilo boxer in Australia is the best to perform overseas at this weight division? So, but how would you judge who's the best? Would you have maybe still, like round, like con- consistent tournaments where the top boys fight each other? Or, yep. And so, then you can... But, yeah. Do you think that leads to... Like, that's... Whatever system it's going to be, there's going to be arguments yep. because there's... Yeah, that's right. Because I won the Australian because... title. Yes, but in my mind, yes, you won the Australian title. But you know what? For nine minutes, and it was, a, say, it's a split decision or somebody else, you chose that 60-kilo boxer 
over that one and three of you gave it to him and two of you gave it to him. So how can he be, how does that make him a lot clearer? Yeah. A winner. Where what I say is, you imagine if you had, instead of, you still have the Australian Championships, right? Obviously Australian champion is invited. But you have everybody that Australian Championships. I can understand the state, the state, everybody send two from their state Mm -hmm. and it's everybody fights everybody and who's actually the best performance to suit that world championships and the selectors actually choose the selectors actually choose even take decisions out of it have it like a competition sparring event and who works well, with who? Who works, yeah. who works with this style better? Who works with this style? I, know I believe selectors yeah. need to select the best that, team for that event. Is that what they do with the Great Britain team? Is, do they put them into camp and then... Well, I, I believe so. I, I don't believe you just have to win. Because how many times have you seen someone who's got lucky for... Oh, you don't get lucky mm, yeah, as yeah, much, no. but yeah. you win three or four fights, yeah. and then you might go into camp and you're, oh, I'm not doing the extra runs, or I'm not doing this. Do yeah, you think... Yeah. Do you think that'd be a better system for transferring it over into, say, we've got eight weeks till yeah. Worlds, we're going to have you down at the AIS, Yeah. this is how we're going to train, and we know you can train like this because we've had you in camps and we've selected you. Yeah, well, is that what right. you mean? Well, or? Well, yeah, so I, I, again, I believe the selectors need to select who they believe is the best boxer, not the one that the judges gave them. Yeah. yeah Does that true. make sense? Yeah. Well, so if you've got... Um, Oh, shit. Oh, you've got boxer A, B, C, and D, and A wins the national titles. Does that mean he's better equipped to box the Americans, the Cubans, and everything else? Or yeah, is he just yeah, equipped? That, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I believe... I, don't, I, I still don't think one performance makes you the best. Well, it might do. It might do. If you are the best, you will you win it. Yes, You'll that's right. you have to win, yeah. But, but you, no, I get what you you're also miss. That's why when we did the EBC, we had eight... Eight boxes, but and you're all given at least two to, two chances. Yeah, and we all got an opportunity to show ta- There you go. But the winner eventually won because like there was boys or girls that lost in the first fight. That's right. That still made the final. Yeah, or come back and won it. Yeah, yeah, that's right. So I think didn't no. I think we all won anyway. Yeah, all the, all the way through. Yeah. But, Let's say Mick had a close fight. Mick had a really oh, what about that those fights? Such, him that and Reese Evans, fight, that was yeah. unbelievable. But the, he got another chance. Like yeah. they fought each other. And then Reese had another chance in the semi-final yeah. to, to get it back against Mick. And which, then in the final they fought again. Yeah. Oh, yeah, sorry, in the again? final. Yeah. No, in the final. Yeah. So, so they both got to the final. Even so maybe more like lost. a round robin yeah. kind of tournament where they I, can. I just believe selectors should be selectors rather than judges, and then judge and sit in a room and go on to and you know judge people's performances throughout the year not based on one competition yeah that is how i believe but do you do you think i'm just asking questions people probably want to hear as well because um do you think oh i forgot what i was going to say but it was to do with oh i forgot anyway that's all right so so say so if i've got if I've got Australian Championships and I've got, say, one boxer, boxer A wins the Australian Championships, That's not I, want, I want the selectors to look at the whole pool and say, you know what, this guy, and, and, and you know what, give different people opportunities of representing Australia. Isn't that going to make the, but that's the top a, yeah, level the stronger? Look at better. Cuba. When I went to Cuba, um, 
LaCruz. Joel LaCruz. He was the Cuban number two. Yeah. On that I, night, he beat Cuban number one. So guess what? Well, then, well, now look at who he is. He's the best in the world. He's unreal. Isn't he is. He? I remember him fighting Damien at World Championships in Baku, and he was incredible. Yeah. But yeah. Da- Damien was on his level. Damien's like 19 or mm. 20. But what I was going to ask, I forgot, sorry. Yeah. Um, is do you think, oh, so maybe if someone's really accomplished, um, do you think they might stay in the system too long? and other people coming through won't get an opportunity and they'll just go, oh, no, I'll just go pro. Don't worry about it. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Because, so because that, they're accomplished happens. and they've done that. Like you see in the GB team, yeah. maybe people don't get that opportunity for that number one spot because they just keep they just keep recycling the same person. That's Yeah, true. But I guess if you're getting results, but if that person's not proving themselves, how do you judge yeah, well, with whether they should be in the system or, or not? Well, why not, why not highlight four guys and take what like when they go overseas? Like take, why don't they take so I don't know. For example, Bowen Waterman. I don't know. I'm just chucking num- names up. Um, or Campbell Somerville and yeah, yeah, Jack yeah. Gipp, right? So there's four names there that we know. Not at all even, even in the same yeah, weight division, but anyway. Four people. Anyway. Okay. So Somerville wins the Australian Championship, um, but Bowen goes on a trip to I don't know. Europe, yeah. right? Yeah. Somerville goes on a trip to um, Russia. Clay Waterman goes on a trip to England. And Jack Gipp stays in, goes at the AIS for two weeks, but then there's other teams coming in. So that you all get development. Yeah. You know what? Bring you all in for competition sparring events, send you away. Bring you all in for competition events, send you away. Then we come in for the final, and it's a competition sparring event. Who, you know what? You can have four fucking people chomping at the bit, rather than one person that thinks he's already got the spot. Or one person that's been developed and everyone else is stuck at home. Yeah, that's right. But obviously the funding's not there for that in Australia, but we'll probably get to that point, hopefully. But is it? Because there are people away at the moment. Yeah, so, I wouldn't what's know. the difference in saying next trip somebody else goes? Yeah. Do you well, know I guess, the, yeah, well, they've earned that spot yeah, as well. that's right. So, it, it can play both ways. Um, yeah, so, I, I just wanted to go back to what was speaking about with um, Damien and, say, like, those little tricks you've learnt along mm. the way. So, I like, put him in the sun or whatever yeah. it was. But what's some of the, like, the communication approaches you use when you're talking to athletes in the corners and and do you have to vary it depending on the athlete yes yeah everybody's different some people have said to me um in damien's last fight i'm not going to mention any names damien's last fight when he fought um reynolds reynolds quinlan yeah what's he doing this for what's he doing this for he needs to be doing this i'm thinking do you work with damien every day do you know actually what he's capable of no you don't so stay out yeah so if Jack Bowen throws a good jab, yeah, and he knows, and and he steps in with his with his left foot as he throws his left jab. Well, that works, right? If Damien Hooper throws a jab but he doesn't move his foot, well, guess what? It's different instructions for both of them. Yeah, you've got to you've got to know your athlete, so you, so you're capable. You've got to know your athlete, so you so you're actually giving them instruction that they're actually capable of. I wouldn't give you the same instruction I'd give Ryan Enderheeper. I wouldn't give Ryan the same instruction as I'd give um, 
a 12 year old kid having his first sparring session because physically you, you, you're capable of different things. Yeah. And do you think individuals, I think, are motivated differently as well? 100%. Like I, if you come, when I know when we get to the corner, it's yep. deep breath, we don't even speak the yep. first five seconds yep. and then you'll give me slow instructions and it's calm, everything's yep. calm. Unless, like, depending on the circumstance, yeah. if I'm losing, you might need to G me up a yeah, bit and slap right, me yeah. around. But do you find some other people need to get, like, a bit more of a stern talking to? Or Some people do. Yeah. I try and go back from what I... I know when you come back from the corner, you're out of breath, you're, your heart's racing, everything's going crazy, right? It's hard to listen. So I know when you come back if you if people start giving you full of advice and hundreds yeah. of ah, I do the throw right hand left hook right hand over the top you don't hear a fucking thing that they no, say not in the moment no. you've honestly probably got 20 seconds out of that one minute that you can make the most of I reckon come back breathe calm down get your heart rate down okay how are you feeling okay getting hit with this okay get some feedback work together with that person in the corner again I keep going back to Damien but his last fight, my last instructions that I ever gave Damien Hooper in the corner were, why are we doing this, mate? And he goes, because of my baby. And I said, yeah, why? He goes, because I want him to have a better life than I've had. Yeah. And I said, well, guess what, buddy? He, him, and his brother and sister as well, that sadly passed away. And I said, guess what, mate? They can't fight for you. Go out and look what he did in the last round. Yeah. Well, he stopped him, didn't he? Everybody yeah. needs different. I couldn't say that to you because it's totally irrelevant. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I'd say I say some things to everybody. Sometimes you got to pull on the heartstrings just to get them over the line. Yeah, and that, yeah, what might motivate them might be different. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's a good little insight into into your strategies uh, in the corner and motivating different athletes. I just wanted to ask you another question. I know, so as we spoke about before, you think like coaches, coaching is being more than just a boxing trainer. It's being a psychologist and a nutritionist and strength coach, everything encompassed into one. I know you've done, you're more than just a boxing trainer as we said at the start and you've done um, promotions and co-promotions with people like Ricky Hatton. What's um, some of the things you've learnt about the promoting game? And what's probably your most satisfying moment as a promoter? Uh, mate, when I had the opportunity to promote with Ricky Hatton, yeah. who he was... So that's your biggest mate, mate, yeah, That's unreal. Mate, I loved everything about Ricky Hatton yeah. before. And then um, I remember speaking with Matt Clark and he said, oh, we might be able to do a joint promotion. He organised it. Mate, that, holy hell, that was amazing. And, um, you know, we, I built lifelong friendships with the Hatton crew and, um, you know, Paul Speak and Mike Jackson, they come over the, the second time out. That was, it was amazing, you know, like we did really good. We, you know, it was, mate, to do a promotion with Ricky Hatton, like I did... A couple at Gambaros, uh, which were pro-ams. That. that was like Don Broadhurst, Slim Hutch. Don Broadhurst, Slim Hutch, Paddy Murphy, boxed. Yep. Yeah, so we did those ones. And then we did uh, at yeah. Three and Night to Remembers as well on top of that. we. So name some of the people. We had like Jeff Horn on so there. So we had Jeff Horn on there. We had um, Rocky Jerkick. Yep. We had Paddy Murphy, Cameron Hammond. Brad Hall. Damien Hooper, Brad Hall. 
Some big names. It's some good yeah, names. Some some, big names. some good. Oh, Zakianov on the last oh, yeah, fight. Yeah, who? Yeah. What a beast he was. Won the. I don't know which title he won, he but he won WBA. the world title, and then he WBA. lost it to Ryan Burnett. To Ryan Burnett, um, who was actually former a former Hatton boxer oh, as was well he? originally. Yeah. Yes. Was so he, he was Matchroom now, or I'm not sure. Is he? I'm not I'm sure. Pretty sure he was with Matchroom, and then he won the. He won two. He unified, yeah. He, he won did, yeah. IBF and WBA. That's right. Well, that's yeah. right cause he beat Zanet, yeah. Yeah. That's and then weird. he went on and fought. Yeah. Did he lose it now? I'm not sure. Yeah, he lost it. Um, I can't remember the fighter though. Yeah. Fought, but it was someone. Yeah, she fought. I can't yeah. remember. I think he heard he he tore his back muscle or something in the fight because it got stopped in the fifth. Oh, he was injured. Yeah. Yeah. I can't right. remember who though. No, he was a good, very good fighter. Yeah, but that was as a promoter. That was that was excellent. You know, I, I just during the promotions, I tried to do things a little bit different than everybody else. I just yeah. tried to take the the emphasis the emphasis off the boxing a little bit and add other things. Like we had when Paddy Murphy was singing. Like the best thing about that was we had the Irish in there singing. Oh, oh mate, well, what about the atmosphere? Was, was you it know, his uh, no, not his sister. Son? It was some relative of Paddy's. It might yeah, have been a cousin or something that was in Australia at the time. Mate, what about the crowd going I used to, going I used to love watching Paddy fight. Just mate. the crowd alone. Oh, and like they come in singing like a folk song and everyone knows the words. Yeah, it's yeah. Like, mate, I've never heard this in a lot. the Irish are excellent. Yeah. So we had that and then we had... Um, he lost to Donair, by the way. There. Oh, I just Nanito it. Donair, yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, like Paddy was a... You know, he, he was good for the crowd. You know, the crowd loved him. You know, just the typical, just a great person, hard-working too, guy. Well. Good man, Paddy really Murphy. Yeah. So, yeah, that was, I suppose, my highlight as a promoter. It's so stressful. Yeah. It's so stressful promoting. I was going to go into the maybe like the struggles because we talked about the success you've had, but the struggles of the promotion game, people pulling out of fights and pulling out of fights. I'll take my hat off to every promoter up. out there. You know, and it costs oh, so man. much more money to to put. To put the good events on, it costs a lot of money. That's why, you know, all the guys have to be selling tickets and that sort of stuff. Everybody's got to chip in to make it work well, if they want to be successful. Well it is a business, it? you know. It is a business. Whoever turns up, turns up. It's pretty low cost. Yeah, that's right. Low risk. So it's really hard, and you can see a lot of, unless you've got sponsors, uh, supporters, built, you know, built some longevity in the in the game. But I, I think adding a little different things, like again when we did the EBC, we added, you know, we had some sponsorships because it was on television. We did the we did the deal with ESPN. You've got to try and add something extra to make the general public come because boxing doesn't get a lot of airplay in yeah, Australia. Well, we let's see be that out, like in Australia, the the biggest shows are people like in the past the biggest shows has been like Pacquiao Jeff yep, Horn yep. but Pacquiao's an established name That's and right. the Filipino crowd is in Australia like that it works that will come yeah. Australia is such a multicultural country like there's so many different diverse races and the Philippines is one of them and they yep. all came um, but the biggest cards in Australia is NRL footballers like Mate, because they, but they've earned that right through their football they're that's known right, they're yeah. celebrities they're massive yeah. where we have to build years and I just wanted to ask you as well because obviously you work with um, you've worked with Justin Hodges and players quite and, a few different players yeah um, what have you learnt from people like Justin Hodges and Jarrell Yoyi and other boys like Lottie, that, that Takiri Lottie Takiri and all those guys in, yeah. so what have I learnt from those guys I I used to Years ago, I probably had the mindset of, oh, geez, so why is this guy playing NRL? Um, there's better guys in Queensland Cup or, or 
like everybody thinks, or there's other guys, he's better than him, or... But what I start, once I started training the guys, mm-hmm. I started realizing it's all about mindset and it's attitude. So, for example, if I've got a Queensland Cup team, and I'm please don't think I'm bagging any Queensland Cup team, but I'm just saying this is what I've had in the past. I've had some Queensland Cup teams and NRL teams in here. Oh, that have come in. Yeah, cup that have come in yep. and do some training. Just mix it yep. up a, bit, a little bit. It's all about attitude. Everyone's got two arms, two legs. It's all about what's between their ears and in their, in their ticker. Yeah. If I've got any NRL guy, no matter how spent they are, and I give them the 3-2-1 countdown, they're up at three, ready to go. No matter how the gone NRL they are. Yeah. Yep. They, they just used to backing up, backing up. I've noticed the Queensland Cup, or some of the younger guys where... Because you've had the under-20 Broncos. There you go, I've well. had the younger. I've had the younger guys, and I can see how some of them might be so talented, but not, might, might not make it, because it's, oh, we can't do another one. Well, the guys playing first grade never, ever say that. Yeah. They follow suit. They're coachable. They do exactly what they're told. Oh, yeah. 100%. And to me, yeah. that is what the difference between good and great is. They will follow... They will follow the structure, and if they've got, a f- if if they believe, so for example, if they they, I'm guessing they're the sort of people that, if they believe something's wrong, they'll go and have a private word with the coach and, and work it out. They won't just stand and blow up in front of everybody because that doesn't work. They know how to get do the best out of themselves. Do you think that comes from maturity, these boys, or do you think they were like that when they were saved the under twenties? Well, I think the. It, because uh, you, you when, always when need Justin o- start playing first grade when well, I, I, I don't know I anything. I think about he came him. down when he was. I don't know if he was playing first grade at seventeen, but he was. He was young, so he's young. And he do you was, think he's developed into that work ethic, or yeah. do you think he's always had that? Uh, do you think he would have been up at three when he was in under twenties? I'm not hundred percent sure. You don't know, yeah, I but I remember not. what I do remember is not long ago, Hodjo saying to me. I remember when I first came into first grade, and if I dropped the ball or if, if at training, Wendell Saylor and all the older guys were up him, up him, up him, not letting him rest at all. Yeah. But that's how you gain respect by doing the right things. The, you are paid to win games. You're not paid to be a part of that team and just enjoy your life. Yeah, You're paid it's to job. win games. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? That. Um, so I, you know, I, that maturity and, and that, like with Hodjo, with LT, with all, all those different guys that I'm training, the guys that are playing first grade and the guys that haven't yet made it and probably won't no matter how talented they are, I see the mindset different because no matter what the call is, they will answer it. Whereas the younger guys or the people that won't make it are the guys that won't answer that call. Yeah. And we see that in boxing as well. That yeah. transfers over. But even for me, like me, when I say to my mates, "Oh, come for a run with me," mm. and like say I got mates like Franco and yeah. Ryan, yeah. the heaper, like boys like that, because they've come to boxing, mm. they know that they can get through the session, whatever yeah. it is, whatever yeah. we do, yeah. I can do it. That's but right. I've got other mates. I've gone, "All right, we'll come for a run with me." Oh, what are we doing? I'll just do a light ten k. I can't run 10k. Yeah. Well, you can. Yeah. You're just choosing not to. Yeah, and, 100%. and that's the work ethic that it 
it takes maybe being a local footballer compared mm. to being an elite level yeah. athlete is whatever we're going to do, I know I can finish it and I'm going to finish it. Yeah, that's right. 100%, it's mindset. And that's why I'd say to you all the time, and last week on the podcast, I threw a little question and said, I said, will you be world champion? You said, yes. Well, you know where you're going. It doesn't need to be gloated about. Mm. Done. That's it. But now you, the reason you will become that champion of the world is because every day you'll take a little step closer. Yeah. And every day I make sacrifices and choices that push me further towards that, that main goal. That's right. Yeah. I'm not going out drinking every weekend and you know, I'm whatever carrying on. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I think that's pretty much everything I wanted to ask you, Gareth. And I hope that covered most of the questions other people wanted to ask. Um, if there's anything you want to add or you're pretty um, happy with the message, yeah, what's I, the take home message from maybe today? I suppose I, I'd like to finish with you know anybody I do a lot of work with well people at all ages I try and get the same message across to them if you want to be successful it's not rocket science you've just got to work harder Yeah, you've, you've got to work harder than everyone else I remember not long ago I was talking to school and I asked these kids who's your favourite footballer I said Billy Slater why oh because he you know he could run he'd hit holes he'd do this he'd do that I said no 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 wrong 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 Billy Slater's better than everyone else because he works harder than everyone else. Yeah. And I these kids a, just silent. Yeah. You know? There was something I watched, because I don't watch much NRL, but there was something I watched on Cooper Cronk and they were talking about, it might have been like he's kicking or something. Mm. And they're like, oh, yeah, he's really good at kicking. And, but they interviewed a few of the other boys from the team and they mm. said all he does is after training is just kicking, yeah, kicking, 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 practicing yeah. the game all the time. And I, Shout out Cooper Cronk, he's a Lorries boy. There. Oh, is he? Yeah, is he, he really? went to Lorries, yeah. Oh, right, yeah. Are you getting paid speak. by Lorries for doing oh, that? Man, I, wish. <laughs> I could drop some old boys' names oh, in there. Oh, shit. Most of them are down the gym now anyway. Well, they are a lot of Lorries boys. But yeah, again, it's, it's a message I, I, I say to everybody. Whatever you want, you've just got to go for it. Whether yeah. you're educated or so-called educated, just like I was with my whole failing everything, I, f- I failed everything. Um, it doesn't mean that you can't do things. You've just got to set your own goal, you know what I mean? You've got to set your goal. If you believe in it, you'll hit it. Mm-hmm. I try and get these kids, these young people, to set their goals high because, you know what, even if you come short of that goal, you'll enjoy your life because you're chasing what you've built, yeah, what you want to do. I've been the same, I've, like since this world's, this world's prep, I just don't want to be that guy that's, like, as you said, with mm. your knee injury, I don't want to be 30, 40 going, oh, mate, I could have done this and I could have done that. But, just do but it. But uni got in the way or boxing got in, oh, yeah. well, not boxing, but work got in the yeah. way or relationships yeah. got in the way, but it's... I'm going to take out all those excuses and give it a good crack and look it might not happen but at least I know when I'm like if I ever have kids or you've given what it the crack, goes, you've I, given like, it I know I've worked as hard as I can to get to that goal and if it doesn't happen it doesn't happen but if it does then it's because I've worked hard yeah 100% and that's it full stop you work harder than everyone else and you're a fair chance well you're a lot closer than you are if you didn't, didn't work <laughs> you hard didn't you? give it a crack or, or you're letting things get in your way yeah all right, well, what's Gareth, what's yeah. next week's podcast? Next week? Well, I'm in Darwin next week, so we're going to have to get it get it done nice and early. I'll chuck out some questions and see what people want to people yeah, hear. What we they want to hear. What do they want to hear? They want to hear from us. They want to hear from they, someone else. If they even want, we might even try and get a guest in. And we could get Shah Roma, Commonwealth Games coach. Yeah, we could She's do. got a fair life story, you know that. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Diabetes. 
diabetes, struggle, struggle with that. Women in sport as well. Women in sport, we might do that. Overcoming one. barriers. You can do it from Darwin. I can. Well, I can, can't I? You actually can. She'll be, I'll um, be out of it. Shara's, Shara's the other coach down here at the gym yeah. and she'll be taking us up to Darwin, me and another fighter, Kendall Burns. Uh, we'll be representing Queensland and at the Arafura Games. So we might do the podcast a bit earlier next week and yeah. put it out at the same time. We'll see how we go. Awesome. Thanks, G. Thanks for your time. Thank you.